Men and Men and Men. If you're tuning in, we had a, a complete uh, power failure at Tampa. And so I want to I take this opportunity. I want to thank our teams who run our audio, all of our technical, our video, because they have been working tirelessly. Just come on, let's give it up. Let's give it up for them. Okay, come on. We, uh, it's always a little bit nerve-wracking when the whole show goes down, right? We're delighted to be with you today. Uh, let's, let's start by praying. Father, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity to be together. We're, we're asking you, Father, that the church would demonstrate today, demonstrate who she is, step into our identity. We would demonstrate who we are and that we would change some people's minds. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen and amen and amen. Delighted to be with you today. If you've got a Bible, go to Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28. Uh, I'm going to open up today just a little bit talking about Paul and his journey and try to connect us to where we are as a church. I mean, things are a little unusual right now, right? A little unusual, okay? Uh, Paul had a plan. He had three missionary journeys and then he went on to Rome, from Jerusalem to Rome. And maybe this is going to come up. Um, let's see if it's going to come up. If not, I'll just paraphrase. Okay, here we go. All right, so he's in Jerusalem. And he, if you read through the book of Acts, it's crazy how Paul goes to preach the gospel and there, there's rioting. And, it, and you can go through, there's like four or five times where there's rioting and there's calamity and disruption because of the push of the gospel. I pray that if any of that stuff was taking place, it would start to take place again because we're preaching the gospel. Because we're preaching the gospel, not, not for any other region, but the gospel. And so he is being uh, threatened. He is a Roman citizen and he is being threatened. He is actually um, just being really pushed around by the Roman government, but he's a Roman citizen. And so he decides to appeal to Rome. And so you've got discrimination that's going on here. You can see it clearly. I'm going to talk about justice today. Is that okay? Everybody okay with justice? Come on, church. Come on. Are we okay with justice? There is severe injustice that's going on with Paul. He appeals to Rome. He travels through up here to Snidus. And then he was going to go around this little island of Crete. He encounters a, a tempest, the Bible says. It's a hurricane, all right? And he gets blown off course. He should have gone right here from Crete, right through this little strait and up to Rome. But he's blown off. I mean, you see this scale. He's about 350 miles off course. And I think that's where we are today. We're, we're about 350 miles off course as a nation, as a people, as a church. And he lands on the island of Malta. And that's where we want to pick up our story today in Acts chapter 28. It is a Malta moment for the church. This is our moment. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. And if you look up the meaning of this word, it just means sweet. It just means sweet. And the reason why it's called Malta is because there's a, an abundance of a special kind of bee there, a honeybee. And God is asking us in this moment, when you're shipwrecked and you're blown off course 350 miles, and it's been months now, 
It's been three and a half months, four months, and we're just upside down. We're in, we, 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 have, we have not listened correctly, and so we're in a place now where God is saying, do I have your attention? Are you with me? And it, it's, like, uh, it's like having kids and, and saying, giving a warning, and then giving another warning, and giving another warning. And how many of you use timeout? Come on. So, so if your kids go into timeout, I, we had, our children were diverse in the way that they responded. Some of our kids would respond with a tone, hey, and they would, they'd, they'd stop. Some of our kids, if you said timeout, that was like, ah, timeout. So, uh, and, and, and so timeout was the worst thing you could do because some of our kids, we would say, hey, and then hey, and then hey, and then hey, and then hey, 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 and they didn't respond. You with me? So we're in a, we're in a bit of a timeout. And God wants to know, are you going to respond to me in the timeout? Are, are you going to hear me and see me in the timeout? I know you're way off course, but this island means sweetness. And will we be in the middle of, of landing at Malta, the shipwreck at Malta? Will we produce life? That's what honeybees do. If you know about agriculture, honeybees, um, they become the, the pollination system for everything that feeds everything. So if you're going to grow a farm, get honeybees. The question is, are we going to be poisoned or are we going to pollinate into life? That really is the question as we begin today. Verse 2, the islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood and as he put it on the fire, a viper driven out by the heat fastened itself on his hand. You can take note that a viper is, is a, it's a small snake, but it's the most deadly snake in the world. It's not because it's the most poisonous, it's because it's the most aggressive. And the snake will bite, and then it will, it will bite over and over again. It kills more people. The viper kills more people than any other snake uh, known to man. It's not the most deadly, but it ends up being the most costly. It takes, it takes mo- most lives, okay? And so as we, as we unpack this, the question really is, is are we going to be poisoned or are we going to be producers? Is God going to come and use this situation in our lives and are we going to produce fruit or are we going to be poisoned by this venomous thing that has latched onto us? And when the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, this man must be a murderer. For though he escaped from the sea, Justice, and would you take note of that in your Bible? Justice, justice uh, has not allowed him to live. Now, I was reading this some weeks ago, and I was reading my scripture. I was asking the Lord, I was saying, God, how many of you agree with me that we need justice in our, in our nation? We need justice. I mean, we really do need justice. And then I was asking the Lord, I said, Father, um, what is the spirit behind all this? In other words, we, we really need to address some things in our nation, but what is going on that seems uh, larger than systemic? It's bigger than the things that we're facing. And as I asked the Lord, I was, it was late at night, I asked the Lord, and I read the scripture that I was supposed to read the next day that night. And the Lord said, I, I want you to see this. And I've read this probably 50 times. And in the reader's version, the NIV reader's version, it says, the goddess of justice. The goddess of justice. And it's capitalized. And so when you go look at the goddess of justice, she stands for vengeance and judgment and punishment. 
And we want to have an opposite spirit than that, right, church? We want to have an opposite spirit. So we need justice. We need godly justice, but we want to reject the goddess of justice. We need godly justice, but we want to reject the goddess of justice. And we go on with the story. It says, but Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. In your Bible, if you turn to Mark chapter 16, the later versions of the scripture have this as, an, as a parenthetical note, Mark 16, 17, and 18. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. So there's a couple of verses in here. I don't think we need to prove to God that we have enough faith by handling snakes or drinking poison. Can I get an amen? amen. Okay. Look up the Jolo snake handlers. We, we don't need to prove to God, but I want, you to, I want you to see the connection here that God is saying, I have given you the power to dismantle the work of the devil in your life. And I have given you the power to dismantle the work of the devil in your city and in your state and in your region and in the world, the country and the world. I've given you the power to dismantle him. The goddess justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and suffered no ill effects. Uh, uh, verse 6. Then, uh, so the people expected him to swell up and suddenly fall dead. Wouldn't you? Isn't that what's going on in our country is that, listen, church, we've been, we've been bitten. Church, we've been bitten. There's hatred. There's fear. There's brokenness. There's misunderstanding. There's longstanding issues from the past in our history. We've been bitten. But the question isn't whether or not we've been bitten. The question is whether or not we're going to be envenomated, poisoned. Because God has got something different. He's got healing and blessing and grace and mercy and power. He wants us to shake this thing off and to change some people's minds. Amen. The church for too long has been an entity that people just go, eh, the church is there. God wants, us, God wants such power to come into the church that people go, the church is there. The church is making a difference. And the people expected him to swell up, suddenly die. <laughs> but after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds. They changed their minds. And the people around us need to change our, their minds about who we are and what we do and what we have in us. And the people, we, they, the, the people in the world need to see that, yes, we were bitten in the church, but we shook it off. And yes, we've got our issues in the church, but we shook it off. And yes, we have, we have our history in the church, but we shook it off. And they need to see us stand up and see the power of the Holy Spirit move out of us. And then they said, and, and this is wrong, this is, a, this is a wrong application. They said wrongly, he was, Paul was a God. Instead, they need to see God in us. They need to see the Lord in us. And so as we unpack this a little bit, I, I, I just, there's, I got an A and a B, and then I've got some action points underneath underneath each one of them, three points under each one of them. All right, so every believer, and I'm talking to every race, creed, and color, everybody, right? All shades of brown, okay? All of us. You, you guys all know we're all shades of chocolate, right? Come on. Got a little white chocolate? I see you, white chocolate. 
Got, got, got a little, right, some milk chocolate. Come on, I'm milk chocolate. We got dark chocolate. Everybody's good, right? We're all, all shades of chocolate. We're all good. Is, am I okay talking like this? Are you sure? Am I okay? All of us, all of us can embrace godly justice. And for some of you, justice, when I say the word justice, you're already, you're already inclined, you're already pitching to the wrong thing. You're, already, you're, just, you're we're set up to fail. And so here's what I've learned over the last few weeks since George Floyd and so many other things. I, I, I've said, I said, we have to, listen church, we have to do something. We have to. And so I, I've reached out to members and I've reached out to African-American pastors. And number one, the first thing that we can do, listen church, the first thing we can do is we can care enough to listen. Find somebody of color and go to lunch. And I, and I want to tell you something. A couple of weeks ago, I used a, I used a bottle like this, an illustration, and I said that we needed to rotate our perspective. And, and so you see Fiji here. I see electrolytes and the discussion that's on the back. And so I don't see what you see because I don't have the perspective you have. And so if I rotate the perspective, I get to see what you see now. And so I, there was a term that was used. I, I, we went to a church conference a few years ago and, and the term was white sight. And the first time I heard white sight, my history and my past wouldn't allow white. I was like, yeah, white sight. But listen, to, I'm, I'm just saying this to you. I'm not saying this to anybody, any other white person, although I'm brown. I'm brown. Just clarifying. I have white sight. I, your pastor, I have, I, I have white sight and I'm coming out of white sight because as I've sat with my brothers and my sisters and had conversation, I, they've told me stories. And I, so I grew up as an athlete and so I've had African-American friends my entire life. My family is blended. And so in my family, there, is, there are all shades of brown. In my actual family. But I didn't realize. So I found myself leaning over the table saying this. Really? Come on, church. And they said, yeah, really. And I said, no, really? And they said, yes, really. And I said, so the stories are quite amazing. And remember, we're 155 years, we're, we're two and a half generations away from things that actually happened then and things that are happening now, things that happen now. And, and to, the, to the most upstanding citizens in our community, I'll say, I hope that doesn't make any of you uncomfortable because I, I mean, it's really true. And if you go have the conversations, you'll understand, oh, I, I, probably, I probably have some white sight. Actually, I probably do. Secondly, so the first thing is let's get together, right? Amen? Amen. Secondly, let's not make this about a party. Let's not make this about a party. And, and in order to say that, I want to say that God has created a, a way for us and he has parted the Red Sea, but you have a wall on the right and you have a wall on the left. And if we look at the walls too long, it is okay to be affiliated with a party. Come on, Amen. Come on, amen. I, but the party's not going to save us, and nobody in the party's Jesus. The party is not going to figure it out for us. The person of Jesus is. 
So, so, but listen, we have come to the place in our country where we, don't, we can't say our opinion anymore. That is a terrible mistake. It's terrible. It's an absolutely terrible mistake. What we have to figure out is how to be affiliated with a party second, to be affiliated with a person first. And so if God's created this way for us and there's a wall on the right and there's a wall on the left, God's people are supposed to follow the footsteps of Jesus. And that's a good picture for us. I'm not going to stare at one side or the other too long because Jesus is the one who I'm trying to follow. So the commandments in the New Testament are the things that I'm trying to adjust my life to no matter what my party says. I follow a person. And Christians today, I'm saying we have to elevate past party. Listen, church, we have to elevate past party. So you would say, what, what does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. It means that we work on in here before we say stuff out here. We, we work on what's in here. We go back to Ephesians chapter 4. I talked a, a few weeks ago about Ephesians chapter 4. We go back. And then thirdly, so we're going to follow a person. Thirdly, we can all, church, listen, we can, every Christian should embrace godly justice. And then thirdly, we can change our perspective. So we had an actual, we had a war here in our country, right? Civil war? We've had a lot of them. But you know the one I was referencing, right? Maybe you're like, oh, World War II, World War I. What a civil war here. Mason-Dixon line, and we, we, had, we actually had a war in our country. You had the Confederates and you had the Union, and thank God the Union won. Thank God. Thank, thank I, I thought, thought you'd be happier than that. The Union won, y'all. But we keep dealing with the fruit. We need to deal with the root. And so right now we have the desecration and destruction of monuments and all those things. And I want to I be the first to say, I, I hope every Christian does not agree with the desecration and destruction. Are you all, is everybody with me? Desecration and destruction, no. Okay, but listen, here's what I have not, here's, this is, this is so I was talking to a friend of mine and he said, I'm going to white side back to perspective. He said, what would it be like if you were Jewish and you went to Hitler High School? And I said, oh, you mean that? Oh, you mean, oh, so maybe we could have dialogue and maybe we can talk and maybe we can remove some of the stuff that's out there that needs to be removed or changed and we do it legally and we do it together and we do it lawfully and we actually start to, listen, we start to address, come on, come on church, you can come on, come on, listen. Some of you, some of you, this is a little bit abrasive for you, you're like, ugh. But listen, we cannot do this anymore. We've got to address the root, not just the fruit. We have to address the root, not just the fruit. And so I don't know, I don't know what, I've never, I, I've, 
so I've been here 21 years, and I was in a doctor's office, and um, I had a guy. This is supposed to be a funny story. I'll tell you in advance. I was in a doctor's office, and there's an older gentleman there, and another guy came in, and, and the older gentleman said, where are you from? The guy said, Jersey, and he had a Jersey accent. And uh, just out of the blue, just straight, we're straight up, we're in the doctor's office. He goes, damn Yankee. And so I thought he was kidding, and I was like, yeah, those Yankees and the pinstripes and Tampa and whatever, I just went, jumped right in. <laughs> Supposed to be funny. So so listen to me. In the South, we have a history, right? I'm going to tell you again, the Union won. The Union won. I am not uncomfortable because I think the truth levels the playing field for all of us. And so if you're, if you're offended, I'm going on vacation, and you can write Pastor Jonas, okay? Um, it's time for the church to be who she's supposed to be. Here's a... Here's a, a post from one of our friends, an African-American man, just a great, great man. Please don't come my way trying to kneel before me, apologizing for white privilege. Only kneel before Christ. I respect him a, very, a lot. I respect this man a lot. Otherwise, I wouldn't be using his words. Do not try to treat me special just to prove you aren't racist. Treat me just as fair as the next man. Don't invite me to your events just to prove you like black people. Invite me just because that's what you want to do, and we have things in common, and we support each other. It's okay to speak against rioting and looting. I do also. But support the true peaceful protesters who are speaking against the unnecessary death of George Floyd. It was a few weeks back. Come on, we can do that. So there is injustice in the system. Do you guys, does everybody realize that? But do you actually know how much? I was at a city, city planning meeting in West Palm Beach, and it was a four-hour event, and I learned there how, how disproportionate it is. I've, I, I, grew up, I grew up in Norman, Oklahoma. If there's you know, a rougher part, we grew up in it. But that's all, right? that's, that's all based on what city you live in. But I learned in West Palm that there's, there's a whole different deal. Speak against racism just as loud as you support law enforcement. Amen? Amen. I, 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 so notice in the text, when Paul was bitten by the viper, they said, you must be a murderer. And so we also don't want to lump in every police officer with what we saw. Right? He goes on, it's okay for blacks to support blacks and whites to support whites and Asians to support Asians and Latinos to support Latinos. I love this. We do that to help our peeps, right? But when you discriminate against a person because of their skin color or race, it's where the problem is. 
And then he has more, and I skip down to the bottom. We all have the same grandparents, Adam and Eve. Every man. Yeah. Every man will give an account of his life on earth and in heaven. That's the whole story. Here's the final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands. For this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 and 14. Amen? So we can all, all of us can embrace godly justice. And all of us can reject the goddess of justice. We can, re, we can absolutely reject the goddess of justice. She's about vengeance. And she's about judgment. And the God over our country, the goddess over our country is really oriented to sexuality, vengeance, judgment. She's very prideful and she wants punishment. She wants punishment. And the opposite of vengeance church is salvation. Vengeance means to tear down and to destroy and to demolish and to denigrate and to harm and to shame. Salvation means the opposite of all those things. It literally is the, is the flip to vengeance, is salvation. Because in salvation, I'm building up and I'm calling up and we're, we're renewing. We're inviting the spirit of God into somebody's life that's broken down. And so if we're going to do that, listen, church, if we're gonna, here's the action point. If when somebody comes with vengeance, if we can come with salvation, we'll figure it out. Yes. It's the, we have to shake off the snake, but we also have to shift to a different spirit. We have to employ a different spirit. We have to. So when vengeance and anger and, and a, a murderous spirit, when, when, when we encounter that, and, it, and listen, this spirit existed before we were ever talking about black and white, right? Cain killed Abel. Remember this. They're brothers. This is a human condition. And so when we encounter vengeance, we have to think of salvation. And as I was a coach years ago at Hollywood Christian School, and there was a young man there that I could not identify readily with. He was a goth, what's called a goth. And that, I don't mean that that was who he was. I mean, that's what he was identifying as. And so goth is not super popular now, but then it was. And if you remember, Goth was dressing in all black and he had black fingernails and he even, he even colored some of his teeth black. He was a handsome young man. Uh, he was, I was on the football team. I wasn't on the football team. I was coaching. He was on the team. <laughs> handsome young man, 6'3", 240 pounds. But he had vengeance in his blood. He was very, very angry. And I... Can I just admit something to you? That kind of vengeance usually causes us to do this. And the Lord spoke to me one day and, and said, uh, I need you to speak to him. And it happened the same day when the Lord told me I needed to speak to him that he chipped his tooth. He chipped one of his front teeth and his nerve was exposed. Some of you have heard me tell this story. The nerve was exposed and hanging from his tooth. He was so tough. He was just... He was just breathing. I mean, the nerve was just like, boom, boom. I was like, ha, 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 right? And, and it, so, so, so listen, I think this is part of what God wants to do. Something about the person that you don't think you can see, you can appreciate. Because a kid that's that tough has got my admiration. 
He's tough. And on the way home, we're going home, and the Lord said, I want you to ask him, why don't you start to pray for him? So I didn't say, hey, can I start praying for you now? I didn't do that. I started asking questions, and I asked about his father, and I just asked the Spirit of God, Lord, can you, can you please just gently open the door in this young man's life? And when I got to asking about his father, he wept, 6'3", 240 pounds. He wept and shook in my car, and he said, no one has ever asked me about my dad and the things that took place with my dad. I, I'm blown away that you even care. And it opened the door, and he trusted Christ that day. And his life changed. His life changed. Vengeance, the opposite of vengeance is salvation. The op opposite of judgment, is, is another action point, is forbearance. So listen, uh, if you have a Bible, you can just take a note. In the book of Amos, justice has to do with punishment. It means God is righteous, and he has to act on his righteousness, and he has to make wrong things right. You're all with me? Okay, in the book of Amos, God lays these, and I don't want you to just take notes. Listen, here's what's happening in our country. The book of Amos, chapter 7, 8, and 9, it lays out these five visions. Corporately, here's what it says, and, and you can just take a note. Amos 7, there's a vision of devouring locust. And when locusts, when a hundred million or a billion locusts descend on a land, the land is fine, the judgment hits, and the locusts strip the land of everything that's productive. They eat everything that's taking place in our country. Secondly, there is, and this is retribution for our sin. I'm not blaming anybody. I'm saying, I'm saying listen, church, this is us. This, this is us, okay? Secondly, there's a vision of devouring fire. Everything's on fire, isn't it? Thirdly, there's, a, there's a, a, a plumb line, a vision of a plumb line. And what God is saying with this plumb line in Amos is he's putting the plumb line in the church and he's saying, you're going to live by my word and nothing else will last. There's nothing else that's going to last. If you're going to build anything that's going to last through this fire and through the devouring locusts and all these things, which is a judgment, if you're going to make it through it, you have to build the rest of what you do on the plumb line or it won't matter anyway. Then there's a historical parenthesis in God's dealing with the priest, Amaziah, and God is dealing with priests and leaders. He's dealing. And then there's a vision of, of a basket of ripe fruit. And God is saying, it is ripe and it is, it is time. It is time for the church to change. And then the last one is a vision of the Lord restoring Israel. God never leaves in the Old Testament with visions and dreams. He always says, and then there was a remnant and in that remnant, the remnant woke up and the remnant was blessed in the Holy Ghost and the remnant changed and the remnant survived and the remnant became my bride. So you've got a, a, a corporate thing that's happening in Amos because of an individual thing that's happening. And I want to give you the reference in scripture in Matthew 18, 21 through 35. Write that down. Listen, 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 listen. Vengeance, we have to come with an opposite spirit. That's salvation. We have to come with an opposite spirit than judgment, and we have to have forbearance. You know what forbearance means? Forbearance means somebody owes me. How many of you, how many of you have somebody that owes you something? 
Come on, all of us, everybody raise your hand. Everybody, it's, it's, you've been sinned against. Some of you more than others. Forbearance means you owe me, but I'm not collecting today. Forbearance means I'm going to push off your debt. Why? Because in Matthew chapter 18, they said, hey, Jesus, this guy sinned against me. Should I forgive him seven times? And they were quoting from the book of Amos. Because in the book of Amos, you have this refrain that says, one time a person sins, and two times a person sins, and three times a person sins, then judgment. And God says in the New Testament, seven times seven. In other words, keep on forgiving every single day, no matter what they owe you, defer it to him. Why? Because I've been forgiven. And if I can't forgive the little here, that I've been forgiven the great there. The, the connection. And so what we want to do in our country, and we're doing over race and all kinds of other things, all, literally all kinds of other things, if we're saying, you owe me. And, and, and the parenthetical thing that's happening in the scripture, it says, you owe me. And how, how am I going to demonstrate to you? I'm going to hold you by the neck. pretty strong, pretty pointed. And then lastly, the opposite, to employ the opposite spirit instead of punishment is redemption. And redemption means that Jesus has bought back, listen church, Jesus has bought back whatever they owe you. He, and he bought it with his blood. So I want, to, I, 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 want you to, I want you to think about this. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, he who knew no sin Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus, who knew no sin. Now, you think about owing somebody something. We owe him. And so right here, right now, as we're, we're thinking about a person or a situation or a thing, God's asking us to not let poison envenomate us. Don't let the poison get you. It's our Malta moment. It's time for us to be producers and reproducers of life. It's time to land at Malta. And when everybody thinks it's done, the church is going, the church is going down. America's going down. America's not going down. Neither is the church. We're not going to die. We're going to live. And not only are we going to live, we're going to produce life. God has called us to revival and blessing and the grace of the Holy Spirit. But we have to get serious. Church, listen, we got to get serious. Corey Ten Boone was a Dutch lady during World War II, and her family housed Jews that were escaping the persecution of the Holocaust, and they were eventually found, they were caught. And her entire family ended up in a concentration camp. So she was helping. She's doing it. So church, you know that when we do the right thing, it's, it costs. It's going to cost. The question is, is whether or not we're going to stay comfortable and avoid the cost and end up in ruin. That's the question. Because I'm telling you, God needs every single person who's here and God needs every single person who's there. God needs, God actually employs his spirit he actually employs his spirit through people. And when Corey Ten Boone's family, Corey Ten Boone's family suffered and she watched her sister be tortured to death. Then she 
went back to Germany. She escaped. She went back to Germany to preach the gospel, and she was preaching the gospel. And a man who was a Nazi um, officer, not just a random man, but the man that was in her concentration camp who murdered her sister was in the church. And he came to her for forgiveness. I want you to see it. It was some time ago that I was in Berlin. And there came a man to me and said, Ah, Mr. Bohm, I am glad to see you. Don't you know me? And suddenly I saw that man that was one of the most cruel officers in concentration camp. And that man said, I have, I'm now a Christian. I have found the Lord Jesus. I read my Bible and I know that there is forgiveness for all the sins of the whole world. Also for my sins. I have forgiveness for the cruelties I have done. But then I have asked God grace for an opportunity that I could ask one of my very victims forgiveness. And Fräulein Zambom, will you forgive me? And I could not. I remembered the suffering of my dying sister through him. But when I saw, when I experienced that I could not forgive, suddenly I knew I myself have no forgiveness. But I was not able, I could not, I could only hate him. And then I took one of these beautiful texts, one of these boundless resources, Romans 5.5, 5, and thank you Father, that your love is stronger than my hatred and unforgiveness. That same moment I was free. And I could say, brother, give me your hand. And I shook hands with him. And it was as if I felt God's love stream through my arms. You never touch so the ocean of God's love as that you forgive your enemies. Can you forgive? No. I can't either. But he can. Amen. Come on, can we let that spirit, come on, can we let that spirit move forward in our church? Can we let that spirit move forward in our church, in our city, in our nation? I want to end with, with uh, I heard a prophetic word from a man named John Herman. He's a pastor in Australia, and he said that, and you can go and look it up, started in June 2020, and uh, they're in their prayer closet, they're praying as a church, and he said, I saw these two opposing figures there. They're massive in structure. They're like soldiers. They're made out of uh, stone. And he said, they're crashing into each other in the heavens. They're, they're massive. And he said, they're chips and pieces that are flying off of them and they're fighting for supremacy. And he said, the vision was for the United States of America. And he said, that the reverberation is happening from the heavens down to earth. And he said, this clash is going on over and over. He said he had dreams three days in a row. And he said the two figures had labels and one is hatred 
and one is fear. And he said, in the, on the third day, he, in the vision, there was a smaller figure that was dressed in white and the smaller figure intervened in between these two massive figures and he could see that it was the church. And God spoke to him and God said, as America goes, so the world goes. And if you don't intervene now, if the church doesn't stand up now, he said he saw dogs of war, these massive dogs in three places around the world. And if we don't intervene and these keep fighting for supremacy and the reverberations happen in our country and we sit by, then those dogs of war will be released around the world. And he said, but the church has in it the ability for revival. Right here, right now. The church has the ability to say no to hatred. Come on, church. The church, we have the ability to say no to hatred right here, right now. Right here, right now. We have the ability to say no to fear. We have the ability to look fear and say, no, you have to stop. We say to hatred, you have to stop to intervene. And I believe it's time for the church to be who she's designed to be. All of us can embrace godly justice and all of us can deny the goddess of justice. Shall we pray? Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the ability of the Holy Spirit. Your justice is based on mercy and your mercy was found at the cross. We could never satisfy, come on church, we could never satisfy the justice of God. Never. But Jesus satisfied the mercy of God when sin fell on him and the gavel was struck, we're free. So as we end today, we want to end with an invitation for salvation. And without all of you that are here and those of you who are online, would you join me now? Would you say, Lord Jesus, today I surrender. I surrender it all. I surrender my fear and my pride and my hatred. If my history is bad, come on, I surrender that too. This is a new day, Jesus. Come on, this is a new day, Jesus. Spread life through my life. I reject the poison. And now we ask him for salvation. Just say, Lord, I give up. Start brand new in me today. Bring me salvation. I repent of my sin and I give you my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that way, heads bowed and eyes closed. If you prayed that way on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to, to raise your hand on the count of three. Wherever you are across the stream, on the count of three. One, two, three. Just slip your hand up for me. Amen. Amen. Come on. Yeah, that's right. Come on, church. Thank you. Come on. Amen. Come on. Can we thank the Lord today? Can we thank him? Amen. If you're trusting Christ in salvation, we ask you to just text the word Jesus to the number on your screen. God bless you. We love you. And we'll see you next week. First Wednesday.